All right. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages? Hey, it's Big John and the Doc on another Mega Powers cast. And uh, you can follow me on all the social medias at the real underscore Big John. If it's a social media platform, that is my handle. Uh, do all the like, share, comment, subscribe things on this video. And uh, I don't know where it's going to take us tonight, Doc. But one thing we agreed to talk about today was, uh, man, I just found out, realized, whatever, epiphany yesterday. It, it's coming up on the 60th anniversary of the assassination of President John Fitzgerald Kennedy. And uh, if you're Gen X, which Doc and I are, uh, and, and older, it's the older aren't many anymore, but uh, the baby boomers, the Gen Xers, this happened before we were born, before our generation, but um, the baby boomers and anyone older than that can tell you the moment and place and time they were when they heard John Kennedy had been assassinated. And now it's been 60 years. And man, uh, how the world and country have changed. Um, I think Doc and I are both in some agreement that there, there was a conspiracy to assassinate this president. And uh, I think it was because he was uh, a threat to the, the norms of American politics. He was a threat to the industrial, the military industrial complex that Eisenhower warned us about and a lot of things. And uh, Doc is actually... Um, going to go to a conference in Washington, D.C. Let me get the first plug out of the way. Uh, this group that's having the 60th anniversary conference in Dallas, I think I might have said D.C. by accident. They're having a conference in Dallas called JFK Lancer Publication. Um, and you can book either the full conference, the in-person and digital conference. Uh, there's a student price. Uh, so you get a discount there. Yeah, JFK Lancer is in Dallas. And the virtual conference, which I will probably pay for, and then there's a virtual and a digital download. So you can watch it live and then save a download if you want to re-watch things. That's all at jfklancerpublications.com if you cannot make it to the conference itself in Dallas. It is uh, November 17th, 18th, and 19th. And of course, uh, President Kennedy was killed on November 22nd, 1963, 60 years ago this year. So, Doc, man, 
How does that, don't it just break your heart? As you know, somebody that follows politics and Americana the way we do, it's still, it's like, it's still heartbreaking, even though it wasn't, I wasn't alive. Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's a, it's tragedy. <clears throat> it's an American tragedy. Uh, I, I don't know how else to explain it. I mean, the president of the United States was shot, his head blown off in broad daylight uh, in on American soil uh, by a conspiracy, I believe, of some high-ranking officials within the American government because they feared the commander-in-chief and the direction that he was leading the country. And when that happens, you really cease to have a, 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 a democracy or whatever you want to call it. <clears throat> uh, you can't have this. And whatever you happen to think about John Kennedy and his views or his political affiliations or his religion or whatever, uh, what kind of separates Americans from the rest of the world is that we don't have this here. You know, you may have political assassinations for opposition groups to gain part, to gain power, but not in the United States. And fundamentally, I think it was these uh, military leaders thought that he was too sympathetic to uh, Soviet Union communist influences because he wasn't towing their line they they viewed they had a messiah complex they viewed themselves as the saviors of the world the united states saved the world in world war ii we were going to lead the world through uh, a lot of different means and methods that were developing at that time and kennedy was very hesitant to go that extra mile and do all this because he had concerns about motive and uh, I think he had concerns about uh, impact on the country and many different ways. And ultimately several attempts in 1963 in Miami and Chicago, uh, it ultimately culminated in his killing in Dallas and when you break down all of the different aspects of this things, I mean, number one, the conspiracy theory is the Warren Commission report. Uh, that's the fringe element, not people who uh, question what's in that report. The report is so ridiculous. Um, and, uh, you know, you you have a cast of characters that are, groomed CIA operatives and government operatives uh, for generations and, and a lot of different deep connections. And uh, this isn't the mob. This isn't aliens. Uh, this isn't Lee Harvey Oswald firing three miraculous, you know, kill shots from one window. Um, th this is a, this is a conspiracy of, gunfire raining down from multiple angles, multiple shooters, 
in a shooting alley, which essentially is Dealey Plaza, um, with a lot of people in critical positions involved and influenced to um, rob the American people of their president. And it's something that we have to atone to as a country. This is a great country. It's, it's the best thing that the world has seen, but it has a lot of flaws. And that's the, the thing, regardless of your generation, whether you're alive to see this or not. Uh, our generation is 9-11. And frankly, you know, I, I don't believe that that is, you know, an inside job or anything like that. But there's more to that story. And certainly the aftermath with this war on terror, there's more to that story when you sit back and look at not only those two recent examples and many others, CIA assassination plots against foreign leaders around the world, really, if you look at it, a lot of it's in Africa. Um, in even before that, before World War II, this, this goes back, you could even say to the Civil War, uh, this deep state conspiracy. Um, but really, uh, the, the, these kinds of dark powers and influences within the government found a footing after World War II, and the country was focused on a common enemy in the Soviet Union and communism. And that fear, that threat, allowed a lot of these unaccounted, unelected, secretive agencies and people and departments to operate with an outsourced uh, uh, level of, of independence and autonomy and undue influence. And it culminated in Dallas 60 years ago on, uh, on uh, Elm in Dealey Plaza. Yeah, you and I were talking earlier, like I said, um, you know, I've been back and forth on this uh, throughout my life and, being a history news nerd junkie, you know, growing up, I mean, I've seen almost every documentary and television show, uh, special movie, whatever, whatever, um, about the subject as possible. And, you know, there were people in the conspiracy world that they're, ideas were so outlandish they made me believe you know what oswald acted alone and it did you know what you just don't make any damn sense people um and then you got me on to these guys uh what are their names doc their podcast is america's untold stories um, Hungley and Gobert, America's Untold Stories is the YouTube channel. Uh, go ahead and fill me in on their their name, their proper names. Yeah, so the the, the YouTube channel is uh, like you say, America's Untold Stories. It's hosted by Eric Hungley, uh, who has multiple channels on YouTube that are very interesting and a lot of good content. It covers a wide range of topics. Uh, but this particular uh, channel features Mark Grobert, investigative mm -hmm. journalist and reporter, 
who has uh, essentially dedicated his life in many respects to um, exposing and uncovering the truth of connecting the dots or whatever you want to call it, I guess, uh, what happened in November of 1963. Uh, and it is a compelling story. And there are many uh, to piggyback on some of what you said, you know, there's many elements to this uh, story, this narrative, this chapter uh, that I kind of dismissed as kind of kooky uh, stuff. You know, I, I was never sold that LBJ, Lyndon Johnson had uh, a huge role in, in the assassination of President Kennedy in the plot. And, and through this series uh, on this channel that actually covers other things as well, but it also its main focus is the JFK assassination. Uh, you you begin to see the kind of uh, you know sick individual that LBJ is, and really how he would capable of pulling off anything for self survival. And it it there there's I, I still have some hesitation on just how far that goes, but ultimately he had a role in this, and if you stand back and you think my god the vice president of the united states top ranking generals cia operatives a network of underground uh assets yeah mercenaries assets culminating together in and it took them a few times to pull this off that's how difficult this was uh, but they it culminated in in just a, a brilliant moment in the negative sense um, to assassinate the president of the United States for no reason other than they were consolidating power. I mean, this isn't a situation where you know if you could ever condone something like this happening would be when there's a madman in charge. And that's not what this was. I mean, sure, John Kennedy had some personal failures, but uh, none of that rose to the level of anything that occurred to him on that day. And also through the show, the, the vlog, there are tales and stories of people who tried to do the right thing people who were who were maybe not wise to what was the the plot that was unfolding in front of them but were doing their job the right way when certain things were being changed and altered they were standing up and saying no this this isn't right they may not have known why but they were doing what they could uh and doing their job and uh, the the story continues and, and perhaps the there's no greater uh, champion of the truth in this arena than Jim Garrison, which is the focal point of Oliver Stone's movie, JFK, which is very popular, that began to peel back layers of the onion and open people's eyes up, uh, who had the skills and means and uh, to research this in the early 90s that really, I mean, if you think about it, John, this thing happened in November of 1963, there's no cell phones and Twitter and Facebook and YouTube. 
no one ever thought they would see, especially the, the conspirators, that they would ever, that anyone would ever see what unfolded. You know, there was no, there was no news cameras. There were no, uh, so they thought. Uh, well, it turns yeah. out there, there was some footage of this, and we, but it took eight years, nine years for the American people to finally see the Zabruder film late night television <coughs> on Geraldo Rivera's show. And then it took another 20 years to actually get a hold of the documents and catalog it and release it to the public. So 50 or uh, uh, 40 years or so before people can really begin to wrap their heads around the evidence, the true evidence and see what happened that day. Yeah, and you know this uh, <clears throat> this channel, uh, America's Untold Stories, and you'll find more out at the Lan- JFK Lancer uh, Publications meeting conference in Dallas. JFK Lancer Publications dot com and America's Untold Stories on YouTube, they put together a a lot of things that got me thinking all over again. Um, You know, typically that limo would have, one, been surrounded by police motorcycle escorts. Uh, There would have been Secret Service agents riding on uh, the bumpers. They had, like... uh, what do they call those on pickup truck steps, side runners. steps, whatever. Runners. There you go. There would have been Secret Service agents riding on the back of the limo on runners and sometimes on the sides uh, all the way around. And also, you talk about no media. Well, there was typically a media truck in front of the limo getting, you know, your newsreel shots of the limo all of that was taken away this day in dallas uh the secret service was taken off of the limo there's a a picture of one secret service agent at love field when they're calling him back to the uh backup car shrugging his shoulders and like what what the hell are you taking us off the limo for And then uh, the police motorcycle escort being pulled back. And lastly, the uh, official White House press vehicle truck with cameras being put at the back of the parade line. Uh, uh, Those things don't prove anything, but they sure as hell make you think, why, why did they take Secret Service agents that would have obstructed these shots wherever they were coming from off of the limo. Why do you take the police motorcycle escorts away to where there are just a couple motorcycles following behind the the limo or somewhere in the parade route? I wouldn't even say they were behind the limo, but you know, it sure as hell makes like they were trying to make for a clear target like you were saying and multiple angles of shooters we talked about earlier um 
where, where, where do they think these shooters were? You've, you've met these guys and talked with them and, and stuff. Yeah. Uh, well, so I'll just back up a little bit here. You know, just uh, first off, the parade route. Well, first off, the ultimate location mm-hmm. that Ken- Kennedy was going to go to that day for his speech was was altered to right. the chagrin of the Secret Service, who were absolutely opposed to changing the venue from essentially the Texas fairgrounds to the trademark building because of security reasons. Then the parade route was altered. Well, I mean, one thing to keep in mind, if you're not familiar with Dealey Plaza, you know, first off, interestingly enough, Franklin Roosevelt traveled through Dealey Plaza decades before Kennedy and the setup was essentially the same. Uh, there, there's there's a main drag that runs straight through it. I think it ends up being Commerce Street. And then there is also the ability to, to take uh, two different, more sharper turns, like wings, that fan out around the plaza, but then ultimately converge underneath and over pass an overpass and you're able to merge back on the, the main drag or in various other directions on uh, the expressway around the city. And it is odd that Kennedy's motorcade and really Dealey Plaza is a, is a shooting gallery. If you, if, mm-hmm. you, if, if, if you look at it and I, I will be there soon. Uh, but um it's a shooting gallery. It's, it's prime real estate for something like this to happen. But especially so when they alter the parade route instead of the, the even with the change of venue, going instead of just going straight down the main thoroughfare, it the motorcade turns, takes a big mm-hmm. jog L around Elm Street and comes down. There's no, there's few people there. I mean, the parade had dissipated. Why they would have to take that turn is is really peculiar. Uh, but when you understand what the goal was here, uh, it makes a lot of sense because it sets up a a, a target that isn't moving fast and yeah. is is almost still. So answer some of your questions here um that parade route was changed uh so the second point which is eye-opening which they a lot which is documented in this series america's untold stories it was changed at the last minute we talked about that earlier where you know if oswald sorry to butt in but if oswald was planning this he would have had to planned it in well in advance and the parade route being changed at the last minute would have, you know, changed his, his plan. So how did he know to be just in the right place? Well, I don't know when the parade route was changed and how public that was, but, um, and I, but the point of the matter is it, it, it was changed to fit the shooters that were there. 
and there were there were many shooters. Uh, and some things a lot of folks may not be aware of that is actually well documented uh, in terms of uh, where the bullets were coming from and the evidence that the bullets had to come from some other. And this is even beyond the new revelation that Paul Landis, the Secret Service agent who was there, uh, yeah. made recently, which is all c- kind of suspicious even his revelations are suspicious and his motivations are suspicious especially when you consider who is you know actually pimping his book is a, is a you know an attorney out of cleveland that you know may or may not have a, a, a colorful background in this space uh as well so they constantly move the goalposts and they constantly try to manipulate the narrative when the layers of the onion start getting peeled back a little too uh, efficiently, then all of a sudden, well, maybe this happened, maybe this happened, or maybe we were wrong here. I mean, they just, it's a manipulation plot and a ploy. So, uh, you know, you shouldn't really fall for, you know, oh, here's the secret service agent proving there was more than one shooter. He's confessing. You see, you see, you see, well, who's behind that? You know, because there's more, there's more to this. And one of the things is yes the 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 media and the secret service were all uh, you know waved off and held back from their normal standard positions around the presidential motorcade that had not happened anywhere before and i will tell you the i the thing for me in listening to america's untold stories and trying to make sense of all of this was and i had not noticed this before i had seen the zabruder film uh which again it's important to keep in mind was never meant to be public right never supposed to see this uh when you i'd seen it many times but what was pointed out was the motorcade after it made that hairpin turn actually stopped and that's when the head shot hit. They, the drivers, the Secret Service agents, this is how deep this goes, people. They were in on it. They stopped the car. They steadied the target. And who was the target? The President of the United States. Mm-hmm. It's really credible to, to try to get your head wrapped around this uh, of how protected yet vulnerable the most powerful person in the world really is and and they when i saw so they were talking about how the 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 limo paused even almost stopped and then you see the head explosion and then it takes off again and i went back on youtube to test this out and i saw it and i saw my god this is for me, the smoking gun, that something was going on here. I mean, yes, we're, we're you know, you, the question that you asked about 10 minutes ago was what about the shooters? Well, we're, we're working up to that. When you add all of this in, that's the smoking gun for me. The fact that that vehicle stopped and the fact that those agents weren't flying back there to throw themselves over the, the president immediately 
and the first lady that it actually took Clint Hill, who was traveling on another car behind the motorcade. Interestingly enough, Jackie Kennedy's chief security officer, uh, he caught up to the presidential limo running on foot to jump on the back to cover her. Yet there were two Secret Service agents in the front of that car with the governor of Texas, his wife, the president of the United States and his wife, and they sat there. And what's more dark is if you really look at that footage, you can see the Secret Service agent in the passenger seat actually look back and see what was going on and then look forward and then the car takes off. I wonder what they said to each other. And that to me was the aha moment. Like we always knew something wasn't right with this. We could never really put two and two together. You never really thought about it. You just knew it wasn't right. But that was the moment where I began to focus on this and was like, man, this is, this is, I mean, pardon my French, but this is fucked up. Right. And so it's when you talk about shooters, you know, the, the main thing that stands out is there was a shooter on the overpass and I'm going to walk there and go to this over. It's just, it's accessible for the time being. There was a shooter on that overpass that shot forward into the limo shattered the front windshield and we know the front windshield had a bullet hole in it and that windshield was replaced and yeah, that that's was something this, that never that came was, out until i watched this america's untold stories that was the and, shot that penetrated kennedy's throat that's where that hit shot came from there were no. shooter. There was probably a shooter on the Texas School Book Depository, but not sitting in the sixth floor, and not named Lee Harvey Oswald. Right. And there were as a shooter behind the picket fence. So there's three, and there was a shooter on the Dow Tex building. There was four. Uh, the there was Dow Tex building. Hold on a second. I'm posting maps of Daily Plaza. If you're looking at uh, where the school book depository would be, the Dow Text building is the one that's sitting kind of behind that that sticks out a little bit. Is that the building you're talking about? Yeah. Um, I think that was the building, according to uh, America's Untold Stories, uh, that had a shooter in like a, a, a fourth or fifth floor storage room. Okay. Yeah, because there, there were, were th there were a couple other shooters too. And I can't remember, you know, off the top of my head, um, where some of these locations were, but certainly the overpass, the picket fence, the grassy knoll, the Texas School Book Depository, the Dow Tex building. So there's five. There's five. 
I wonder if the if the shooters know who fired what shot. Like you know, who who got the, the kill shot, the head shot in there and I still think that shot came from the back. That could have been the Dell Tex building. You think it came from the grassy knoll. I think the kills the headshot came from behind the picket fence. Right, which is the famous grassy knoll. Or behind it. Well, yeah. Right, behind it. Um So that's what I think. Uh, you know, and that's a chip shot. You know, yeah. You could you, you could take your, your sixty degree wedge and put it put it up on and tee it up and and knock it. So that's how close that was. That's a close shot. That that's not a difficult shot, especially for a marksmith uh, in a professional sharpshooter that they were using for this. Yeah, there's um, you know, from my early days of, of following this, there had always been one man. I hate to laugh. Uh, a deaf mute that. They always had the sign language interpreter, and he's in every documentary special about Kennedy. And he's describing someone opening up a toolbox, taking a, a rifle out, and putting it together. And then after the shooting, he puts the rifle, takes the rifle apart puts it back in the toolbox and hands it to someone else and they both walk off in different directions. And, and uh, there are other people that um, describe that too. And there's a, a picture that's grainy and, you know, there weren't professional photographers there. Uh, just, just luckily Abraham Zabruder was a, a Kennedy fan and he got the perfect spot to stand. That's why you got video of this, or well, film technically. Uh, and then you know there were people there with their old-fashioned cameras taking photographs. Um, and some of that film and photograph was seized by the Secret Service, so it, it's never seen the light of day. But you know, this is uh, there's always been a, a photograph out there. I got off track of somebody behind that picket fence where it looks like there's a, a puff of smoke and, you know, something going on back there. There was definitely something going on back there. It's a gunshot. You know, w what I want to do when I get there, uh, and I've thought about this, and we've talked about this a little bit, but it's going to be an emotional, and I'm not going to, you know, say I'm going to sit there crying all over myself. But it's going to just be an emotional experience. Experience. Mm -hmm. uh, being here in Dealey Plaza here in about a month or so, um, because of not only the significance of the event, but the fact that we have not been able to, as a country, atone and properly address what really happened in my belief on that day we are not going to grow as a country until we come to terms with some of the things that have happened in our name 
uh, in the last uh, 80 years or so since the end of the of World War II in the emergence of the, you know, deep state or whatever you want to call it. And this is bigger than Donald Trump. Uh, what's happening in this country, what has happened uh, to political movements, to people who talk outside of the public narrative, challenged authority. There's, a, there's just huge numbers of things that I believe that this government has done, uh, maybe in the name of democracy and freedom or world stability, but in this country and outside of this country that we have to come to grips with. And at that list, the summit of that list is what, you know, certain high-ranking military officials and CIA operatives and government officials did to assassinate the president of the United States in broad daylight in Dallas, Texas in November of 1963. And because of that background, what I feel like I want to do is when I get there is to, to walk out, you know, on the, the street uh, in Dealey Plaza where the X is. There's two X's, but we're probably the last one. And just simply with the justice fist, maybe taking knee, but holding the American flag on that spot. And have someone take a picture. And what I want that to symbolize is we aren't going to stand for this any longer. We are going to get up and act and own this. And we demand the truth and we demand transparency and we demand that the people who are still around that know what happened that day spill the beans for the good of the country. Because we are at such a point right now in our country, we need, you know, beyond even the Kennedy assassination, we need mm -hmm. some accountability. We need the American people to feel like their government is within their consent. Right, that they can see that they still have control over this thing. And the only way that that's going to happen is for the people that are in power to stand up and fight. Otherwise, we're going to end up in a civil unrest period like we've never seen. And I don't think that's healthy for a democracy because that's when we lose freedom and liberty and once you lose it and we have been losing it little bits over the years once you lose it it doesn't come back so i want to go to dallas and in my way not only honor president kennedy but draw attention to what happened that day on that spot as the best as I can with my American flag, because I still believe in the country. Maybe I take a knee to show we're not going to stand for it. But more importantly, with the justice fist 
in the air in the opposite hand to show that we are going, we're not going to take it. We are the American people. This is not a government with a contract over us. This is a government on a lease. A lease from us, the people, through our consent, this government exists. And there is a promissory note that comes with that lease. Right. Of freedom, liberty, pursuit of happiness, civil society, natural rights cannot be infringed. And it it, it cannot be infringed because we say it can't be infringed. These are rights that are non-negotiable because they are natural rights. Rights from a god, whatever you want to call that entity, a deity. It is God-given rights of man to determine how they are to be governed here on earth. And what happened that day in Dallas was a compromise of that social compact between the government and the people who ultimately own the system. And that has to be atoned for, in my opinion. Yeah, I I absolutely agree. Talking about atonement, there's never been a trial of anybody. Uh, I don't mean Jack Ruby for assassinating Oswald, but did you ever get to the bottom of why Jack Ruby killed the guy? Well, there actually was one person charged with killing President Kennedy, and that well, man's yeah. name that man's name was Cl- William Clay Shaw, right? A, you know, colorful and controversial and shady figure from the underworld in New Orleans. And I would ask that everybody listening to your podcast go over to America's Untold Stories and look up the episode on Clay Shaw just to see what kind of individual that this is or this that, that uh, was because he's dead. Yeah, he was uh, the one in JFK that uh, Jim Garrison took to trial in the Oliver Stone movie. So I, there was one person tried. Um, but when you listen to uh, America's Untold Stories and some of these other things, there's such a cast of characters that were intertwined around Oswald and around uh, Lyndon Johnson. It, it's it's not a coincidence, man. Not a coincidence. And it's difficult to connect all these dots. And that's why you have a a, a small but significant Kennedy research community uh, of people that understand what really happened here. And, you know, some of them are a little odd, but they're dedicated to getting to the bottom of this thing and have dedicated their lives to in, in different people have different areas of expertise in this plot. It is a, it is a crazy, it, it's so difficult for people to understand how, because how layered this thing is. This isn't just the government 
had two or three people pick two or three people to go kill the president. I mean, this was a this was a process that was a long time in the making, but also because of the sensitivity of the whole thing, had to tap into a network that was so deep and convoluted in the bowels of the CIA. It connected <clears throat> some really um, deep-seated people throughout the country that that were working for the government for and I'm not talking like they got up every single day and went nine to five and punched in. I mean, sometimes these people wouldn't be needed for years. And then all of a sudden they'd get a tap on the shoulder. We, Hey, we need you. And they get engaged. And, and so that it it, it is really convoluted. And so what you're going to get at the conference is the best of the best everybody that's the best in each of these areas, you know, whether it's a particular person or a particular aspect or, you know, even things that predate the assassination, but leading up to it, people that are just Mm -hmm. experts in the field that are not accepting of the, the, the narrative and have the wherewithal to prove through questioning that that might not be the, you know, what happened. <laughs> yeah, I was looking down this list of um, topics and speakers, and it's at jfklancerpublications.com. Uh, and, you know, there's uh, a speaker specifically on the DCA film, which I don't know what that is. Uh, the Prayer Man and More Than a Fuzzy Picture, 12 Persons of Interest. So maybe we'll find out who the other shooters were or who the real shooters were in the 12 Persons of in- Interest. Uh, Ted Sorensen and JFK is a topic. Ted Sorensen was uh, Kennedy's attorney at the White House. Um, official Destruction and Alteration of the JFK assassination evidence is another topic. Um, the Redbird leads. I tried looking some of these up, and, and this Redbird leads is a pretty interesting topic. I'm not going to go into it, but uh, General Paul Walker panel. So there's going to be three folks talking about General Paul Walker. That's the first guy Oswald tried to assassinate. Um, allegedly, uh, well, you know, you go out and try to assassinate a general. Why are you still out running the streets? Um, general Walker shooting is another topic. JFK from Mongoose to Galito operation Mongoose. Uh, if I'm not incorrect, it was the, uh, lead up to the invasion of the Bay of pigs, the failed attempt to invade Cuba. Um, there's a panel on Buddy Walters, a bullet found, and a house in town. Um, you know, assassination 60, um, November 22nd, 1963, the other murder, the death of Officer Tippett, um, the director's daughter, chokeholds, 
a modern uh, legalistic approach to proving there was a conspiracy in the JFK murder. Well, that's going to be a hell of a, uh, a presentation. Uh, the state of the JFK records, that's something I wanted to talk about. And you can go on jfkpublications.com and see the last four or five presentations. And you can watch this from home. You can download it or you can go. Uh, and there's a list of prices here, and then you pay for your hotel and whatever uh, separately. Um, well, just, JFK, for, hey, just let's reverse it. Let's just reverse it for a second. Yeah. Back to these buildings that you were asking about. Yeah. Uh, and Dealey Plaza. So, you know, the main drag is Main Street. That's where the parade was coming down. And this, I, I'm, I'm explaining this as if you were looking at um, Dealey Plaza from the overpass. Okay. So Main Street dissecting Commerce Street to the right, Elm Street to the left. The Texas, so we would be starting from uh, uh, the overpass and then the, uh, the, the picket fence essentially uh, and then making a way counterclockwise around the plaza. So then number, so the, there's the, there's the fence. Then there's the Texas school book depository. Mm-hmm. Then, it, then as you pointed out, the next building is the Dow Tex building. So, you know, right there's four shooters on that side. Um, then the building across Elm along Houston is the uh, county records building. Okay. Building uh, next to that is the criminal courts building. Then you have Main Street. Then uh, you have the uh, old courthouse. The uh, the small little Neely Bryan house. uh, The larger county government center. Mm-hmm. And then the post office, and and uh, so that's that's the lay of the land around this plaza. Okay, so this thing came down Main Street, made a right onto Houston, right, and then a that, sharp left on Elm. To Elm, that's a lot of twists and turns when. They could have just kept going right down Main Street. That's what and, I was saying. That's what I was saying. And onto the Commerce Street and out out the highway. That's what FDR did twenty years or thirty years before. Um, even with the change in venue, the parade route was altered when it didn't have to be. Yeah, it the, makes the, no sense. Love there, Field, Love Field, where Kennedy landed uh, from Fort Worth, is down Main Street, opposite of Dealey Plaza. The the and that natural parade route heading down that street was where mm-hmm. all of the people were, and then all of a sudden. Instead of just going straight down Main, the parade is over. Get out to the trademark. 
Mm-hmm. Even though they shouldn't have been going there. All of a sudden, it turns right on Houston and then turns left on Elm for no reason at all. And that was the parade route that was changed at the last minute. It, it, there was no earthly reason to do that other than to set up the killing lane of the picket fence, the overpass, the school book depository, the Dow Techs building, the roof of the Dallas Records building, and the grassy knoll or wherever, six or so locations, six or so shooters concealed that rained bullets down onto the presidential motorcade that was a sitting, literally, a stalled sitting duck by itself in an open carriage exposed solely on this stretch on Elm Street from Houston. Yeah, this... Um, there's no yeah. there's no earthly reason for that to have happened like that. It violates every single protocol uh, known to man. And, and this wasn't a situation where, oh, just slow-acting Secret Service agents. No, the drivers of the car knew what their job was, and they were a co-conspirator in the plot to blow the president's brains out in broad daylight in downtown Dallas. Mm-hmm. They knew what they were doing. Yeah, this... Um... This limo, the glass was take or was taken immediately away, and man, that's a, that's a crime scene evidence. When when is crime scene evidence taken away like this without being in really thoroughly investigated, as far as we know, and um. You, you know, there's a bullet hole in the windshield. Didn't one of the Secret Service agents have a cut on his face or something? They said, oh, it was from the glass uh, hitting me in the face. Wasn't that well, something so, I saw in one of those videos? Well, some of these, some of these bullets were under suppressors. Uh, and you really get into the meat of this in America's Untold Stories, Mark Grobert. Yeah, some of these some of these bullets had suppressors, or some of these right uh, guns may have had suppressors, and that's what contributed to maybe a uh, lack of impact from the bullet, or the fact that they went through the windshield. You know, uh, there were one or two wounds on President Kennedy where the bullet didn't traverse through the body and just kind of stuck in. Yeah, this uh, the Grobert is the first time I've heard uh, that theory. the The bullet wound in his neck, I always thought was an exit wound from a shot to his back. No, it was and, a shot from the overpass. Yeah, point eleven on the chart that I just sent you down Elm Street. It broke the front windshield. The windshield was replaced. There was a bullet hole in there. There is testimony from people to the Warren Commission. There are photographs at the hospital, at Parkland Hospital. 
that show a bullet hole in the presidential limousine through the front windshield. How does that get there? Mm-hmm. If everything came from the Texas School Book Depository, it cannot be explained other than there was likely a shooter from the overpass, which was easily accessible. There was a federal building of, of some kind, an FBI building, ironically enough, or something that was right there. They could just run down, run away. Again, there's no cameras out. There's no surveillance footage. This is before all that existed. They can easily escape amongst Mm -hmm. the commotion and they're gone. And that's where that shot came from. And there was also another shot from more than likely the county records building that came down and hit Kennedy from the back and the bullet didn't traverse through the body and was removed and this was over the right shoulder and as Mark Grobert talks about that shot the Warren Commission altered the autopsy that uh, notes and moved that exit wound or that entry wound from the back that was more than likely from the records building to line up in the neck to the what they said was an exit wound but was actually an entry wound from the throat in the front. And the person that did that was someone you may not have heard of before, but has admitted to it that for the good of the country, they moved that autopsy sketch that showed an entry wound from the right shoulder that didn't traverse, that may have been fired from a gun far away or with a suppressor that didn't have the power to go all the way through the body but nonetheless was there anyhow the individual that t- that that is talk about this was an obscure individual named again according to mark robert and i believe it uh this individual's name was gerald ford yeah, a real obscure person who would later become president of the united states yeah in a in a in a, a unique way, put it put it mildly. So that's incre- Those those are incredible. And again, this is not my research. This is all credit to Mark Robert and America's Untold Stories and the JFK research community writ large that you will hear at the Lancer Conference uh, in Dallas next month. I'm just listening to this and talking to you about what I'm hearing. And it's really eye-opening. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, you know, people that throughout history you've been told are coincidental contacts, you know, actually are, you know, like Marina Oswald and uh, the woman that... Uh, the woman that uh, 
Lee Harvey was renting a room from were best friends. You know, um, people. And that woman's actually still alive. Yeah, and and you know these JFK. You're, you're talking records. about Ruth Payne. Yes, Ruth Payne. Thank you. And she and she's still alive, believe it or not. Yeah, and she's an entire episode of America's Untold Stories too. <laughs> yep, um, she's a key player in all this. She was uh, a handler uh, of CIA assets, people coming in from different parts of the country or different parts of the world, it was her responsibility to look after these people and see that they, you know, get a job and get employment and get integrated into society. And, you know, uh, we talked about, there's always been this uh, story that Oswald was in Mexico City at the Cuban embassy trying to get a Cuban passport or trying to get entry into Cuba like he did in Russia and the Cubans said we don't want you and but there's a lot of proof out there that that person was not Oswald it was a an imposter or a body double or however you want to say it uh, because there are records that show Oswald couldn't have been in Mexico City at that time and it's like you said, it's taken a network of researchers to put this stuff together. And there's an expert on this, an expert on that. So if you go to that uh, website, I keep plugging at you, JFK Lancer Product or Publications, JFK Lancer Publications.com. And man, I just, it's like 60 bucks. You can sit at your house and watch this on your personal computer, all these speakers tell their portion. Oh, I guess the virtual conference is 70, 90, not $70.99. So a little more than 60. Uh, but I, I mean, I'll sure as hell sit down there for three days and, and sit in front of the computer and watch this because man, it's, and and they and they, they will offer recordings, uh, so you could for a period of time for maybe a month or so. I think you have to pay extra for that, but you'll get access to their archives for a limited period of time, so you can go back in and actually watch this stuff. Uh, so whether or not you're attending virtually or not, it might be worth it to up it and get access to these archives for a limited period of time. Uh, because you need, like, one of the things I've noticed in following America's Untold Stories mm -hmm. on YouTube is you've got to watch these episodes multiple times. There's just so much being thrown at you. And I'm not sitting here saying you have to do that to indoctrinate yourself and program yourself. I still question some things that I, that I hear. And I have been fortunate enough to actually be in a position to ask some of those questions, mostly surrounding LBJ's involvement directly to Mark Robert. These are tuned in people who are very committed and passionate about what they're doing in their research. And they're more than happy to like walk you through this from their point of view. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that I have seen in VIP events is it just blows your mind of how 
just connected this whole network is and how easily in many ways these resources were harnessed by the government how e- i will oh maybe the best way to put it is how easily it was at their disposal to pull these things together to pull this thing off and when and so I think to your point, John, you got to watch these things over again. Yeah. Mm. If you can't get down there in Dallas, get the virtual and maybe even get the access to watch it. Some of these over, because you have to watch it over. You have, there's so much to consume and not just by volume, but just in, in approach, because it will blow your mind away. You're, you, you, we have net, like you talk, you opened the show off by talking about, how this may not be a Gen X thing or whatever, a Gen Z thing, certainly, or a millennial thing. But this is a mindset that all of us have been educated or indoctrinated or conditioned, maybe it's a better word, to think how this happened. And it really isn't how it happened. And that is a shock to the system. Yeah, you know, uh, one thing I still question is the fatal kill shot. Grobert and these guys think it came from the front. You think it came from the front. I see his head go forward and then violently thrown backwards as if the bullet is exiting through the front. And I see his, his, the front of his skull flat backwards, but there's a very convincing argument that they reshaped his skull and his scalp to fit the narrative that this shot came from the front. And something I never knew was uh, there was a team of expert autopsy officials that got their shit together, packed their suitcases, and were ready to be called to uh, Washington, D.C. or Bethesda Naval Hospital. That's what I was trying to think of, uh, where the government officials, your upper echelon go. One of the best hospitals on earth, maybe the best. Uh, These guys were ready to go to Bethesda and do this autopsy. And instead, you had a rookie autopsy doctor who'd never done an autopsy before in a room with generals like Curtis LeMay overseeing the autopsy and LeMay is smoking a cigar in the autopsy room and is asked to put it out by some, you know, orderly or nurse or something. And LeMay tells the the nurse or whoever says, put the cigar out, go screw yourself. I'm Curtis bombs away LeMay. I mean, why the hell is a, a general standing over a deceased president and overseeing an autopsy? 
of the president of the United States. He wasn't there in a military fashion to guard the president. Certainly the guy's dead. Why is there a, a general in the autopsy? Why is there anybody other than doctors in there? You know, uh, well, it, that's you. You've got to watch America's Untold Stories to get to that. It's a fascinating conversation. Yeah, it absolutely is. And, you know, and I'm watching the Zabruder film again on YouTube, and it's really incredible how they can digitally get this clear, like really, really clear. Um, it does, you know, look to me um, that this could have come from the fence very easily. Mm. Just based on, you know, how the head kind of goes sideways. It looks like it's back, but if you really watch it, it's, he kind of goes back and then to the left. Mm -hmm. And so that could have come from that front angle of that picket fence in. That and, makes any sense. Yeah, I'm gonna pull that up. Um you just go to other... YouTube and put Zabruder film in and you'll get one that is as crystal clear of an enhanced image that you've ever seen to the point where you can see the, the head explode. You as a matter of fact, you actually have to hit like I accept the fact that I'm gonna watch something really graphic. Uh-huh. There's also a thing here why Kennedy had Two, two caskets, two coffins. I can't remember why they said that. That why he had well, two coffins. Again, you know, you can get a lot of this on America's Untold Stories, but from what I gather, there was, you know, obviously a situation where you know the guy comes in in pretty bad shape to Parkland Hospital and they go into operating room one. Mm-hmm. He doesn't make it. What do they do? The president's dead. They got to get the body back to Washington. They don't have a casket. And so somebody calls up a local uh, mortuary undertaker and is like, we need, you know, the best thing you got over to Parkland. And they gave him this huge, heavy, expensive $10,000 or whatever casket. Mm. And that's where they put them. Now, there's also a a Twitter feed that was out a few years ago, even before I started following America's Untold Stories, many years before, that documented the... 24 hours of the assassination and it's actually pretty it's pretty graphic i don't know where that is i'm i'm sure it's still posted on twitter and they may actually it may be one of those things where every year they do this you know where they just fire the account up and it sends the tweets out again as the events unfolded in 1963, meaning you know JFK lands in Dallas, and the tweet goes out at the exact same time. 
the point is, is that Twitter feed, whatever it is, talks about how there's a president laying, you know, they're dead, the body, mm-hmm. and and they pack it up into a into a body bag, and all of the fluids and the leakage and everything, they got to kind of like pack it up. Mm-hmm. And they stuff it and they put it in like a bag and then they put it in this coffin and there's still bodily things leaking all over the place. And they, this is a, it's a mess. This is a, a, a riddled body. And so they, this huge expensive casket from this local Dallas undertaker comes in and they put him in it. It's huge. It's like 500 pounds and they put him in it. It's $10,000. These guys end up like merchandising the hell out of this, that they gave Kennedy, they gave, you know, they're the suppliers of the the Kennedy casket. And there was even Mm. an argument over how they were going to get paid. Again, America's Untold Stories, Mark Grobert, Eric Hunley, they talk about this. But they get the thing to uh, Love Field, where Air Force One is waiting, which Lyndon Johnson is on this plane. <laughs> when he should have been on his plane heading back to Washington, but that's a whole other conversation. Well, yeah, he, and, he wanted to be on Air Force One because he was now the... Well, it's Lyndon Johnson, <laughs> right? The, the personality yeah, of uh, so they put this casket and they can't get it into the plane. Yeah, they, they had to take they had to they had, like put it up into a lift because they were originally going to put it in the underbelly of the plane and they were yeah. like, no, th- this is the President of the United States he's not going in the cargo hold. And they got to get this fucking casket into this goddamn plane, and it won't fit. And so they're busting seats out. And they jam this mother fucker in the back of the plane. And this cock fucker is in the front of the plane wanting to be sworn in. I mean, it really pisses you off when you think about it, especially the culpability of this piece of shit into what just happened. And so it all gets settled. They get the thing to Washington, and they got no way to unload in the back of the plane the casket. So they had to pull up that truck and if they're struggling and the side rails and the handles are ripping off of this damn thing left and right. It, the casket at this point is completely and totally trashed. And the body of the president's inside of it. What's left of it. And right. this account on Twitter actually gets into just how difficult it was to reconstruct an, an, an appearance of this 
Bobby, the president, and it, how Jackie ultimately was like, we can't have an open casket. This is too, this does not look like John Kennedy, yada, yada. Right. Need, but to your point, they did have to switch caskets because the other one that cost so much money was so damaged because it couldn't fit into the back of this plane uh, and couldn't get off of the plane, couldn't be maneuvered without just busting the hell out of it. They had to ditch it. The president can't be buried in something like this. Right. It has to be, the body has to be properly dressed and prepared for burial. And they just needed a new casket at that point. And so, yeah, it, it changed caskets a couple of times. Yeah, it's, uh, it, but there thing... actually was, uh, just not to jump on you here, but there actually was a little bit of a battle. Again, America's untold stories. There's actually a battle in Dallas, Texas over who's going to control this body because there is no federal crime for assassinating the president of the United States. This is a state crime, and this happened in the state of Texas and in Dallas County. And by God, the coroner was going to do an autopsy right there and then. You were not taking this body uh, out of here. And the Secret Service said, you know, we are taking this out of here. This is the president of the United States. We are in charge here. And there was a bit of a, you know, an issue in the hospital. Yeah. And again... If you want the true story and the full thing and an accounting told in a lot better way than what I'm doing, you tune into America's Untold Stories and you'll get it. Uh, but it was, you know, a lot of things changed mm -hmm. because of that, where, you know, killing the president, you know, uh, murder is not a federal offense in this country. Right. Outside of a few exceptions, one of which being if you kill the president, that's a federal crime. Yeah, there was, uh, I remember now, um, in some of the cons the uh, documentaries I've watched over the years and uh, the movie Parkland, there's there was a huge fight between the local authorities and the Secret Service. And, you know, we kind of ragged on the Secret Service, but there were enough Secret Service agents dedicated to their jobs and to the president that said, we're not leaving our president here in Dallas. He's coming with us. Well, and, and a lot of them had orders from the conspiracy side to get this fucking body out of town. We're going back. To, we have to get him back to Washington where they can control the situation. So, yes, I think there was, you know, some guys that are doing their duty, but there's also some movement here to, to carry out the plot. They cannot have an autopsy done in Dallas and not at the Naval Hospital in Washington. Yeah, it was kind of a standoff between the Secret Service with their M-16s and the, the uh, local authorities with their uh, revolvers. And the Secret Service had the bigger guns, so they won. Well, uh, not only did they have the bigger guns, John, but they made it perfectly clear that they were going to, you know, fire. There's going to be a there's going to be a firefight, right? And I think the local guys were ultimately like, you know, that's okay. That's a little too much for for me. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Well, it, man, it, I, I think I think um, we need to really get to urge urge your audience to follow this America's Untold Stories. They're so yeah. close to a hundred thousand followers. We need to get them up over that benchmark. They're getting, and just so you know, they do more. You know, they talk about current events too on Fridays, but. The, the topics are so controversial now. They've treaded into some real tough territory. They're almost instantaneously demonetized by YouTube as soon as they start their broadcasts. Uh, and they just haven't even said anything of substance. But that's what we're dealing with here. And so these guys, you know, it's tough for them to make money to keep this up. And so they need followers. They need people to like, share, and subscribe the channel so you get notices when they start. Otherwise, YouTube will memory hole it because of the algorithm and the fact that they're demonetized. Uh, so really, you know, you can follow them on YouTube, but the best way to support these guys is to go over to the locals community and become a member over there, and the money goes straight to them. And you can get all of this material. They talk about it on YouTube, but they post it. A lot of primary source material, PDF books, a lot of exchanges amongst community members over on the locals. Uh, I think it's, uh, I don't have to look it up here. I don't remember exactly what the uh, site is called on locals, but um Let's see here. Pull it up. If it logs me in. <clears throat> I'm a member of it. I mean, I, I pay. Uh, and it's, there's a lot of good content over there. Uh, but it's uh, Eric Hunley, uh, locals.com, I think is what. Uh, no, I, I'm sorry. It's unstructured.locals.com. Okay. So that um, gets you that gets you straight to the the belly of the beast. Unstructured.locals.com. And and you can follow that community for free. But there's also content that is behind a paywall. So, you know, you can access some a lot of things over there for free. But the real, but you should just support the community over there. And yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what their rates are. It, you know, maybe it's like sixty bucks a year or something. And Mark Grobert has a uh, a book club <laughs> fund, also where you know he's got to go through these archives book by book to get the information to present. Because he's trying to tie all these leads together, and uh, some of these books are out of print they're and are hundreds of dollars. They're not cheap, yeah. And they're th and he reads them, and so yeah. There's a book fund. Uh, these are not easily. E they're not cheap books. They're not easy to find. Uh, but the the you you have to have these books to put two and two together to do the research needed to to connect these dots. Because you can't rely on what you find on the internet. The internet can be any any source you have on the internet, regardless of where it's from, can be manipulated. It, you know, it, but if you've got it in print, 
in front of you, you can hold it. That's the fucking source. And yeah. it can't it can't be messed with. And so uh, you know that's that's the deal there. So well I'm posting links everywhere to America's untold stories and I'll post links to locals uh where we can get people to that locals channel and uh or locals page, however locals works. I'm not as familiar with it, but um you know yeah, we you've gotta support the people that question the narratives and the government, uh, you know, this isn't a conspiracy theory anymore. This is a conspiracy period. You know, this Amen. is, you know, something that really happened. And, you know, we've had the, uh, pardon me, the um, evidence for a while. And now, you know, thanks to some people doing their homework, yeah, you're getting more and more of this out there. So you get all these links up here. Is there anything else you want to add here to the end? And then we'll wrap it up because I think we've talked people's ear off. No, this has been great. Um, <clears throat> it's good to get the mega powers back together again. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, and there's a lot more we could be talking about with what's going on and in Congress with the speaker's race and in the news and with the economy and the presidential election coming up next year. And But really, I think from time to time, and we do a pretty good job of this, it's you want to go signal, not noise. And right now this is signal what we've just been talking about and sometimes you gotta just hone in on that yeah i mean this was a a tragic moment in the united states of america and it was put together by a, a cabal of people uh with common agendas and a lot of this had to do with, you know, Kennedy wanted to de-escalate our role in Vietnam. He didn't want to launch a war with the Soviet Union through Cuba. Um, he was against an invasion of a second invasion of Cuba. Um, you know, he wanted to take apart the CIA, uh, if not altogether to some extent and that made him an enemy of the state and so Kennedy had to go and that's where all this comes together and you can find it on these links like you said unstructured.locals.com and on YouTube at America's Untold Stories so you, you can go straight to it from youtube.com slash the at sign America's Untold Stories, or you can just search America's Untold Stories channel uh, in your YouTube search 
box and find it. And you'll get a, an education on this. Uh, told better than what we just told it, but we're, we're repeating what we've learned as best we can. So with that, Doc, thank you very much for joining us. And we'll see you next time. Mega right. power cast, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Good night, brother. Take care.